Hi everyone, welcome to the Tech Seeking Human podcast. This time we're joined by Kevin Slavin. Kevin, how are you? Doing good, thank you. New York City, one of my favorite cities in the world. How's it going over there? Uh, it's good. It's good. It's uh, it's roaring back to life, uh, which is uh, which is, I, mean, I am happy to uh, to see. It's, and and I should say, doing so in a, uh, a pretty pretty responsible way, all things relative. So now yeah. let's because uh, that's it. I mean, actually, on that point, like New York City is a buzzing metropolis, and it was hard actually when the first pandemic hit. It was hard to get my head around everyone going inside. Of all the cities in the world, that was yeah. the one that I went, whoa. Yeah, yeah. It actually, uh, it was the the first uh, the first visible case was about sixty feet uh, from our house here in the Bronx. Oh. Wow. Um, it was it was it was around before that, but uh, but the first time that uh, it was it was known uh, was somebody dropped off their child about sixty feet from here and was not well, and mm. uh, that's that's when we knew. Was it an eerie sensation for you? I know we should. I know this wasn't the topic of conversation, but I, you have seen pictures from New York, and the streets are like doomsday empty. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, to be honest, from a on a from a personal point of view, we, uh, you know, we didn't for for the for the majority uh, of the of the of the worst days and months of the pandemic, uh, you know, we hardly left the house. So uh, the the empty streets of Manhattan were as abstract for me as they were for you. Mm, okay. um, uh, we, we, we knew that, you know, they were no further away than they'd ever been, but uh, they, they might as well have been halfway around the world. Now, this has been a super uplifting start to the podcast, I feel. I think yep. everyone's yep. really happy. I think, yeah, like, I think we're yeah. sort of, we're back in lockdown, uh, yeah, so it's sort of like, the yeah, forefront yeah. of our minds a bit, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, could, we could reboot. No, <laughs> we I don't know. We don't need yeah. to. We don't need to. This is part of the podcast. Talk to okay. us about, um, you know, you've been studying... We talk about like AI and technology being able to study like this the smallest minutiae of the world that like things that humans yeah. couldn't possibly do. You've taken yeah. it to the extreme. Yeah, yeah. I you know I mean I think um, maybe I mean starting maybe fifteen years ago I was I was looking at the places where it wasn't where where the role of uh, machine learning and automation and so on weren't totally obvious to everybody yet uh which at that time was uh things like uh, like the market um uh you know and, and realizing that the that the the kinds of uh that the notion of what we thought the stock market was which was a bunch of people yelling at each other in a room at that time uh had you know been very quietly replaced by uh you know billions of tiny bots uh fighting with each other um and Back then, I was very interested in in those, you know, in the sort of the minutiae uh, of of these things that formed the kind of uh, financial ecosystem that uh, that have that have now fully taken it over, frankly, um, uh, and tracked that for many years. Um, but I would say somewhere around uh, six or seven years ago, I started asking a different kind of question uh, around the places where. Uh, machine learning and analysis can go, um, and that has been—it's uh, been quite a—it's been quite a journey. 
Um, I think, you know, for me, part of my part of my background uh, was very early work in what we what is now a very mature industry of location based services of the, you know, figuring out how can technology help us identify exactly where we are? How does our how does our phone know exactly where we are? What can you do with that? And so on and so forth. Um, the question that I started asking about uh, seven years ago, maybe eight years ago now, uh, was, is there a way to figure out where we are, uh, not using technology per se, but biology? Um, uh, is, there a, is there a, in the same way that uh, where I am and where you are has a, has a, a, a signature from a satellite's perspective, do we have biological signatures uh, for where we are? Um, that was the question that I started asking. Um, and at that time, really knew very little about uh, what, not only what the answer would be, but also really in a meaningful way, how to even ask that question uh, in a way that could lead to an answer. Um, and a lot of what I've done over the years since then has been to kind of uh, chase that question uh, in in various ways. Um, one way to I was going to say, what does that mean? It? What does that mean? What's a yeah. biological signal? Yeah. So so one way to think about it is is that um, if you were to look at the DNA of the three of us here, and you were to sort of compare them side by side, it's basically the same. There's just you know there's a few there's a few differences, and they account for the, you know some substantial things. But it's basically the same. But by contrast, if I were to look at all the organisms in your gut and your gut and my gut, and we were to look at, at a at a list and a you know at a table of the of of my gut biome versus your gut biome versus your gut biome, those would be super distinct. Mm. Those would be far more distinct from one another than uh, than our DNA itself. Um, and you know, and and you know, this notion because those all those organisms in our gut, they're as much of who we are uh, as our DNA in some very in some very real ways. They they affect our outcomes the same way DNA does. Uh, they uh, they they reproduce. They, they 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 unlike our DNA, they will shift over time in response to certain uh, input uh, changes. Um, but fundamentally, they're distinct. And the question I had was, okay, if my gut biome is different than your gut biome and your gut biome, does New York City have a gut biome in the mm. same way, you know, does Lagos have a gut biome? Does Tokyo have a gut biome? And if New York City has a gut biome, is it different on the east side of Manhattan from the west side of Manhattan? Is it different in Brooklyn than in Queens? Is it different on my side of the street from my neighbor's side of the street? What is what is sort of the resolution in a way uh, of, of an environmental microbiome? Um, when we, it was myself uh, and a bunch of uh, collaborators uh, at the MIT Media Lab, uh, some research assistants and some uh, collaborators far beyond that. Um, and, you know, we just started, we started asking this question, is there such a thing as um, as an urban microbiome in the same way that we have gut microbiomes. Um, and uh, that turned into a very interesting set of questions, not just around 
um, biology, but also around the role of computation uh, in being able to address biology. I think mm. one of the one of the things that we 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 know instinctively, but I don't think it's in a way properly marked is this. There's a there's a massive shift that happened very quietly in a way, which is that biology was fundamentally um, experiential uh, for for most of the history of the discipline of biology. It was it was basically inventing tools like the microscope uh, to be able to see what was happening, um, and quietly over couple decades now, um, that has been replaced by a fundamentally computational approach um, of uh, basically saying, okay, whatever it is, is made out of DNA. Um, and our engagement with DNA is a fundamentally computational technique. Um, and this has um, such profound implications that I think are not well understood. We all, we all know, okay, the human genome was basically sequenced 20 years ago. Uh, and I think it was like 18 years ago, they were able to say, okay, we have one person who's fully sequenced. And maybe I think it was like, it was like eight years later that they said, we have a thousand people who are fully sequenced and you can spit in a jar and send it to a company and they'll tell you, uh, you know, how much Neanderthal you've got um, mm -hmm. uh, or what have you. Um, I think all that is well known uh, at this point, obviously. Um, but um, for me, the question is, well, what about the, the rest of life on earth? Um, mm. And what, what, does, what, what does a computational approach to biology for all the other species on earth, in particular, all the ones that are invisible, uh, what 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 do we learn from that and how how can we learn from that and if we could use machines to get at the at the at the at the truth and the and the underlying reality of what's uh what's underneath for all these other species on earth um how does it change not just what we understand in particular relative to science but also just our worldview you know, does it does it change how we uh, how we imagine our role uh, on the planet? Um, these are these are the big big questions that I think are only kind of emerging now. All right, here comes the question, right? So if you study if you studied me, you'd find out I like chicken burgers and coffee and lots of gin, and I'm probably very Neanderthal. But that doesn't really give an answer that's that's that surprising. When you started right. out doing all of this. What were you trying to solve? Like, what was the? Because you know, you can you can apply an algorithm to anything. But eventually, there was some kind of outcome, and just to go, well, I just wanted to understand how humans fit into the world. Yep. Is kind yep. of like that's the art school side of the What's side the of the room. Example of like yeah, a machine. you know, like the you arts know, people I, are going. Oh, I just yeah, want to know. That's, I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> but the scientist is going to achieve what? Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, worth noting. The art school side of the room that's the side of the room i'm from uh you know so uh, <laughs> really so, yeah yeah me, really me, i mean me you too, know, me I have, yeah, yeah no 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 i studied design and sculpture that's my that's my degree yeah um 
so uh, so yeah, so it it is actually uh, it is an artist question, um, but it is also um, uh, it is also a scientist question. There's this um, I forget who said it now that you know all all science is either physics or stamp collecting, mm -hmm. uh, and you know this is definitely the stamp collecting of science, right? This is basically just like what what is it? 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 But when you're talking about the microbial world, I mean, there's so, we know so little about it. Mm. We know so little about it. And, you know, as the pandemic reminds us, it matters, right? Like, yeah. you know, like, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, we only, we only pay attention to the, you know, the vast empire of, of life that's invisible to us uh, when it, uh, you know, frankly, when it kills us. Um, but, Yep. the entire rest of the time and the entire rest of this vast invisible empire is basically also what keeps us alive it's also what keeps us healthy it's what it's what helps us fight all these other things that are out there um and they are they're they're what make us us um for me it was really uh the inquiry of just you know what what is it what is what is the you know, it, it was more like, you know, it had the it had the quality of like, like, just we're exploring some unknown territory. And let's just see uh, what we can find there. Um, and what I learned, uh, and again, this was early days of it about eight years ago, is, is that there were, uh, there were a bunch of people coming from uh, the other side of the room, the hardcore scientist side of the room, who were asking broadly the same questions uh, mm. with, uh, with a little bit more authority. Uh, but but asking basically the same questions, which is um, what what is it? What is it around us? What is it inside us? And I think one way to think about it is, is it, you know, if it was any other planet, we would think, oh, yeah, that's exactly what we should do. We should try to classify all the life on that planet if we can find it. Well, it's our planet. Uh, and, and we don't even have names for for most. Well, uh, for almost half of what we find these days, uh, uh, you know, in the, in the invisible, uh, part of the spectrum here. Is and it, that, it's so um, weird. It's yeah. so weird. It's cause it's like, you're right. Right. So that when I first started thinking through this, I was like, who cares about the small little things. But then when you break it down to go like, this is our planet. And we've had Max Tegmark before explain it, that it's a spaceship. We're actually on a spaceship. And it's like, yeah. what are the particles in the spaceship is, could it hurt us? Is it good for us? Yeah. Can we evolve from yeah. it? What does it tell? How do we learn? These are pretty important yeah. questions. Yeah, and and also you know any any one of them can have uh, any one of them, but more commonly a bunch of them in combination has you know vast meaningful consequences. It, putting aside you know pathogens, you know it just it has yeah. it has consequences. If you have Food allergies. Um, uh, there are many uh, frameworks for understanding autism uh, as a as a function of uh, a, a shift in uh, in the microbiome uh, of people who are struggling uh, or 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 coping with autism. Um, these are um, uh, you know it, understanding depression as a fundamental function of certain microbiological imbalances, and you know we really. We don't understand these things because we've always thought of human well-being and health as a function of just sort of there's there's an essential there's an essentially healthy person and maybe something you know like a single pathogen is introduced and suddenly the whole thing is broken. But the truth is 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 that 
uh, it determines, you know, our, our, so many of the sort of fundamental, um, the fabric of well-being uh, in ways that are much more subtle um, and, and important. Um, so, um, and, and understanding that it's not just that we're on a spaceship, um, we are spaceships and there are, you know, 10,000 passengers in your gut uh, that are counting on you uh, to keep going um, and, uh, and, to, and to keep them healthy, which you do uh, or not. Um, sometimes you take an antibiotic and you wipe them all out uh, and then they, you know, what it will repopulate with who knows what. Um, uh, and, you know, and these are, you know, I think, I think just having as a framework, the notion that we aren't individuals in the way that we conventionally think of ourselves as individuals. We are, you know, you know we are colonies that have a skeleton and a brain and some muscle moving around them. Um, I think uh if we can if we can reframe the way that we think about this we can start to change how we think about um just human human health and uh, in general um how evolved are we the... how evolved are we with this thinking because you, you you go like like give us an example you go like okay it's the simple and before we get to the obvious one which is the pandemic but you go like yeah. air quality you can even yeah. go through things like you know people that suffer from asthma and, yeah. and, you know, potentially like longevity and quality of life and food sources and cancers and, and all these sort of things. Is, is that the realm of what we're talking about? Sure. I mean, think about, um, uh, you know, you, um, you will have um, positive, strongly positive outcomes if you eat uh, more fermented food, right? Mm -hmm. um, whether that's kimchi uh, or, or pickles or what have you. Um, and the reason for that is because you're getting uh, live microbes uh, uh, into your body that are that are that are that are very positive um, and that help uh, uh, keep you keep you thriving. There are um, there are some diseases. There's one. There's a disease called C diff. Uh, is the is the short name for it? C difficile. Um, this is a it's a it's a pathogen that. Um, yeah, it's not it's not necessarily deadly, but it's it's not it's not great. Um, you 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 don't want it, and it's um, it's found frequently in hospitals, um, and it is opportunistic uh, for people who have uh, diminished immune response, uh, which are typically people in a hospital. Um, and uh, if you catch C diff in the hospital, it's uh, it's powerfully uh, antibiotic resistant. And the problem with something that's uh, antibiotic resistant is that not only is it not going to get killed by the antibiotic, but when you take the antibiotic, that's going to wipe out everything that you need in your gut to fight it. Um, and so mm -hmm. before you discover that it's antibiotic resistant, you're also wiping out uh, all the allies that you had in there. So C. difficile uh, was thought to be uh, pretty... Uh, a pretty kind of a lost cause. Uh, and then they started um, what, you know, I, it's, we're just gonna, we're just gonna talk about it. Uh, they, they started, we're just gonna talk about poop for the next little, little bit. Perfect. This um, <laughs> right. Cause I, I, <laughs> I hope I, I, um, uh, I, I think it's, it's probably, this will probably be the only episode where we're talking about. Poop. Um, uh, uh, well, uh, we could do a repeat if people really like it. <laughs> I hope not. 
um, uh, so, so it turns out that the only way to effectively treat uh, C. diff when it happens is through what's called an FMT, a fecal matter transplant, um, which is basically a taking fecal matter uh, transplant. What's that? A what a what a fecal a, a fecal matter transplant. It's the that's the polite term for a Ain't poop shit. transplant. Basically, oh. uh, taking uh, poop from a healthy person uh, and transplanting it into the gut of somebody uh, who needs a healthier gut. Um, What's and, that, Happy Gilmore? Uh, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. You eat shit for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because I'm eating. I'm eating it to stop the super meta thing. Yeah, you'll. I think you'll be relieved to hear that it's not. Um, it's not. It's not a. Um, it's not an edible. Um, oh, it's, damn! It's actually, it's actually, so literal. Well, how do they put it in there? It's actually, a, it's actually a medical procedure uh, oh. where it's transplanted. You know, I know, it's, you know, I know it's, I know it's early in the morning. There's so you're kind of breakfast minded tonight. We're just gonna but I just hide let this. Me, really let me put your mind at ease. I'm yeah. just gonna if hide I, this. If, 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 if nothing else, I like, I like, let this be the part where you can really relax. Right? Yes. I'm just gonna so, hide this poo in no your chicken. Is, You'll never know. No one is, no one is recommending eating uh, poo. Like, like this is like, I'm like, like, like. Let me be very clear for the podcast. Like, do not eat poo. Okay. Well, you got it. Not a good idea. Not good for. Or have, has it been done and yeah. have you studied the outcomes? Because this is the art student uh, now. Not, not personally. Not, no, not personally. But, yeah, good um, but I will say that for the people who have had it done medically, mm -hmm. uh, um, that uh, it is it has a very high level of success in treating C. diff. Wow. Which is to say that the, that the best way to address the presence of a, of a, pretty, of a pretty deadly... Uh, pathogen in your gut is sure. to bring in a colony uh, of fighters. Uh, friendly friendly fighters. Now, uh, here's one how of the you, interesting. Can I just ask uh, how, how does it get in there? Then that that's a that's a different episode. That's, okay, that's a little. It's, so it's, you don't need it, but it magically yeah. gets into your body. All right, yeah, let's keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but I, you know, you can pretty much it's whatever you're imagining right now. It's pretty much that. <laughs> pretty right. Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> Um, but, uh, but one of the interesting things was, um, uh, uh, I have to, sorry, actually, I need to, I need to look it up because I'm, I'm going to get fire there. with fire. Still, still I'm still thinking about how it gets in there. Happening. How does it get in there? I still don't know. Yeah, yeah. You guys I'll think, you guys think, think, think about, about it. And that, I'm going to look through. Yeah. I'll talk to you Okay, yeah, later. okay, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, I'll finish so, and I'll still be going, I don't yeah, understand so, how it gets in there. Let it go. Well, so one of the. One of the interesting sort of like footnotes that came out of using um, FMTs, fecal matter transplants, for for C diff, was that one of the uh, one of the people, one of the subjects who was being treated for C diff, also totally nothing to do with C diff, also had alopecia, which is where you uh, you lose oh, yeah. all your hair, like your eyebrows, everything, right? Just lose all your hair, which is. Um, it's okay. It's a thing that happens to people. Nobody knows exactly why. Nobody knows how to treat it. Um, it you live with it. it. It is what it is. So there was a person who had alopecia, and then they got C. diff, and then they got an FMT, and all their hair grew back. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, oh, well, it turns, you know, like, so we still don't know exactly what alopecia is. 
but it has something to do with some interaction between a couple of microbes in your gut. Now we know that. Right. And, you know, and this is like, you know, so for me, like, like, you know, like the, the, the kind of hubris, the nerve to like try to explore other planets, you know, when we just have so little idea of what is happening right here is incredible. Right. Like, you know, and, I know I don't get why we want to go to Mars. I don't get it. It's so much fun to have here. Yeah, no, no, it's not not a lot. I mean, we could eat crap and discover so many (laughs) cures to so many things. It's just such a huge opportunity. Why go to Mars? You're not going to learn that on Mars. No, no, you're not. No, it's the, yeah. The lore of Mars is is lost on me, but I, you know, I I seem to be in the minority on that. I don't, I don't know. So um, all right. So then let's but, go forward now. Mm-hmm. Let's go to like yeah. so studying. Apparently, if you were having a dinner party, you probably wouldn't yeah. tell the story about the FMT. I would thought not I would have thought all, not till coffee. Not at the start. <laughs> maybe after a couple <laughs> of the, uh, a couple yeah, of no, minutes. That's like that's like halfway through. Halfway yeah. through. <laughs> But you probably yeah. maybe you're in you you went from being like you know the uh, arts person at the table and they're going kind of like well I study like microbial little things yeah. in the air oh, that's really interesting yeah and then um, well, fast forward to the pandemic and all of a sudden people are going really? you do what yeah. sorry yeah yeah I mean it's so you know when when we started working on this um uh you know whatever it was like seven years ago or so you know the first thing that I discovered was is that we weren't the only people working on this that there were there were um, there were at least uh, there were at least three other labs that we found uh, that were that were asking basically the same question. Um, and so um, so Chris Mason uh, at the Weill Cornell Center for Computational Genomics in New York um, was also asking this question. You know, is there? It, it actually his question was more specific. He was say, he was asking, is there a gut biome to the New York City subway? Um, uh, or is you know is one station distinct from another station and if so how um uh and so he was he was uh, sequencing the microbiome at every single subway station in new york city um at that time uh as the, which has now turned into a much broader uh, global inquiry so he was doing that um jessica green at the university of oregon at that time uh was had a really brilliant idea um to study the, uh, the microbes that were moving through uh, buildings by basically pulling the filters on uh, HVAC mm. systems, on heating, ventilation, air conditioning. If you think about what that filter is doing, the, you know, the good part gotcha. is, is that it's basically filtering out all the microbes so that you get you know, good, good fresh air. Um, but from a microbiologist's perspective, that's like this awesome fishing net mm. uh, of microbes uh, and you sequence everything that you find in there. And so she could track the ways that uh, microbes were moving through buildings. Um, and then uh, Eric Alm's lab, uh, also at MIT, um, to bring the conversation back to poop, uh, was doing a wastewater testing uh, to basically see uh, what, uh, you know, basically, you know, could you, could you core the sewage um, and sequence what you find there to see what is, what's moving through a city, um, uh, which had, uh, even even seven or eight years ago, had obvious epidemiological questions that mm-hmm. it asked. But you know, I would say that our lab and those three labs, and and also probably a bunch of others, um, we were all doing this. And um, broadly speaking, nobody cared. 
um, uh, everybody would just ask why on earth it would ever be valuable uh, to be able to detect all the microbes uh, around you. And, uh, and then one of those microbes turned into, you know, a, a gangster, basically. Um, and then uh, it became quite relevant. Um, the, the, the shift in the pandemic was realizing that it is very valuable to know what microbes are around you, especially if you're looking for one or two in particular, which is very much what we are doing these days. Um, and uh, there has been a sudden interest in the, not just the techniques, but also just the, the real question uh, that all of us were asking back then, which is what, what is around us? Um, and uh, it turns out to be uh, very valuable in the immediate term, um, but I think it's also opening up the question to, to a lot of people to say like, okay, if you could detect the pathogens, what else could you detect while you're there? And I think this is, you know, it's, I think as we, as we, as in, in some parts of the world, uh, uh, which, you know, and it's the, you know, this is, it's quite unevenly distributed, but in parts of the world that can actually kind of like catch their breath a little bit relative to uh, uh, the fear around that specific pathogen, um, they are starting to ask questions of, you know, well, while we're, while we're looking for that, what, what else might we find while we're looking? Um, and this for me is, this is, it's the same question we were asking back then, but now I think there's a recognition that, um, uh, that there's, there's value in the answer. Um, so, um, so you're actively so, yeah, so, tracking the, are you currently tracking the coronavirus as a, as an example? Is yeah. What so, you're actively doing? um, yeah, so, um, uh, when the when COVID was sort of warming up, I was working with a uh, with a healthcare company, um, and ended up sort of uh, leading the pandemic task force for this healthcare company, which was building clinics uh, for uh, some of the large corporations uh, in the United States. And um, it was very early in the pandemic. And um, it was very hard to get uh, PPE to protect people, uh, including medical staff. Um, and it was very hard very early on to get uh, any kind of meaningful testing, um, especially testing that you could turn around quickly or, that, or at that time even that was reliable. Um, in that moment, um, I was trying to think about, okay, how can we get more tests to the doctors? How can we get more PPE to the doctors? How can we figure out how to, how to even keep a clinic open uh, in, a, in the moments uh, where it was clear that, um, that medical facilities you know, were, were frequently a place where people were getting exposed to COVID. Um, and I called uh, Dr. Jessica Green, who had been, uh, who I'd mentioned earlier, who had uh, done that work with HVAC systems. Um, she had been the one, She'd actually been tracking the way that pathogens were moving through hospitals um, five or six years prior. And I called her, uh, this was probably in uh, April of 2020. And I said, you know, um, that, you know that, that work that you were doing with uh, pulling the, uh, the filters from HVAC and sequencing the stuff that you found there, 
could you could you run an assay and see if SARS-CoV-2 is in there? And that way we could see if the virus that causes COVID was in the room. Um, and at that time, uh, when I called her, she said, oh, yeah, it's so funny that you called. We just we just tried it uh, yesterday with a synthetic version of the virus and we're getting uh, a live version of the virus. And yeah, I, I yes, we can we can do it. Um, and basically, uh, if you fast forward a year, um, uh, she has uh, really transformed her company, which is called Phylogen, uh, which is who, to whom I've been uh, consulting and advising for some time. Um, she has really uh, developed, uh, I, I would say she has, she has optimized uh, the, 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 the lab testing and the equipment uh, and the processes to be able to detect the presence of SARS-CoV-2 in a room. Um, and uh, this is, this, this is, you know, it's obscenely valuable mm -hmm. uh, in the sense mm -hmm. that, um, you know, if you have, um, if you have a hundred people in an office space, um, you could, uh, you could, you could swab every one of those people's noses, you know, or you could sense the room. Um, and, uh, and if the room is negative, then you know that that all those people are negative. If the room is positive, well, you would you, know, you might try to narrow it down a little bit further. Is it just this conference room? Well, who was in that conference room, or so on and so forth? Um, but the notion now, uh, Phylogen isn't the only uh, game in town on this. There are other there are other folks who have who have started moving moving uh, towards this. Uh, 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 Poppy is a uh, startup that's advised by uh, Chris Mason, who is doing the subway work uh, that I mentioned earlier. Um, and there are others, um, but uh, I think overall, uh, whether it's Phylogen or Poppy or whomever, um, this notion of um, being able to detect pathogens and then beyond pathogens in in the rooms that we spend 90% of our time in feels a lot, uh, it's, a, it's a lot, it, it's, you're lifting, if you can sense pathogens in the rooms that we spend 90% of our time in, that's the, it's not the, it's not your, it's not the heavy lifting mm. of individually testing every single person in there. And that doesn't just have to be for COVID that could be for the flu. Um, you know, that could be for uh, the kinds of uh, mold or uh, fungus that cause certain allergies or other negative outcomes or what have you. Um, and, you know, I think in general, just broadly speaking, if it was maybe mm, 25 years ago and you walked into an architecture firm and you said, you know, in, in, in five years, you're going to have to have people who work directly with architects to figure out exactly how all the computers in here are networked together. And in 15 years, you're going to have to figure out how the Wi-Fi stations are going to be delivering attenuated signals through these walls they'd look at you like you were crazy because the notion of computation as being in the fabric of society wasn't there yet. So in the same way that that would have been unimaginable 25 years ago, I think it, I would say now that it will be impossible five, certainly 10 years from now to think of uh, being in the business of building new spaces without having a biologist on board, without having somebody who's thinking entirely about what is what is what is going to be the effect of this kind of this kind these kinds of materials this kinds of air circulation 
this kinds of density of people uh, in terms of fundamental human health and well-being. Um, and because that is turning into a discernible and defined science uh, through through computation. This is blowing my mind because, I mean, aside from, we both worked for this company, HP, ages ago. But did, did you ever work at Rhodes? Out of there? It used yeah. to be a lead, it used to be a paint factory. And I swear people were getting headaches all the time. Yeah, they were. And it smelled and it was like, uh... <laughs> You know, right. I just thought Lord, it was the right. job. Lord yeah, but but then okay, so right. so but that, that did that happen to you as well? Yes, like, yeah, yeah, that's weird. Um, so yeah, that makes sense in the future. Now, but I want to go back to this COVID thing for a sec, though. Mm-hmm. Does that assume then that the virus, because this is me being really dumb, um, is it it's airborne, and it can exist so, in the particles in the air? Therefore, the air filter can pick it up. So yeah, so there's different ways to do it. So so the way the way that phylogen is doing it right now um, is you the 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 way to imagine it is is that um, if there's a if there's an infectious carrier, right, which is really what you're looking for. Yeah, right? you're looking for you're looking for a person who is exhaling uh, the virus, and when they do that, it is it's airborne and then it settles, and so it'll settle on their desk. Um, It'll, it might settle on their hands and then they touch the door handle and so on and so forth. Now, it's easy to jump from that to thinking, and that's and that's why you don't touch anything. And that's why we have to, what, what do we have to do? Here we had to sing happy birthday while we washed our hands. It was like, it made no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were trained to think of surfaces as dangerous uh, because that's where the virus was. It is where the virus is but not in such sufficiently high quantity to be as afraid of it as, as we were sort of trained to be, at least here in the United States. Um, that's called fomite transmission. And it's, it's, it's pretty rare. It's not that it never happens, but it's, it's not the problem. However, there are traces of it. And those traces uh, will endure uh, in, terms of their, in terms of their genetic signature. So, so they, the virus doesn't live very long once it once it leaves you, um, which is which is one one reason that the pandemic isn't worse than it is. Um, it has a it has a very short uh, you know shelf life, um, but its genetic signature is still there uh, even if it's even if it's dead. And so that means that you could come in and you could swab the desk uh, where people are sitting, um, and if they were exhaling uh, the virus onto the desk, which is which they would do if they were infectious. Um, you'll pick it up on the swab and we take that swab. Uh, we send that back to the lab. They extract the genetic material from it. And then they're just looking for, uh, for a, one very specific uh, genetic signature, which is that of the pathogen. Um, so that's one way to do it, which is basically physically swabbing um, uh, surfaces uh, within an office or home or what have you. Um, it is also possible to do it uh, through uh, through air intake, uh, which uh, Poppy is doing, uh, which they're a little bit uh, quieter about some of the specifics of it, which is fine. But fundamentally, uh, it's basically uh, pulling um, uh, it's pulling microbes uh, into uh, into an air sensor, uh, and then fundamentally the same the same thing. Uh, just saying, okay, we now have it. We send it back to the lab. Let's check it. Um, uh, and see if uh, if this particular pathogen is present. Um, so I've and, got a question you know, for you then. 
you know, we don't have that many cases in Australia, thankfully, because we yeah. we live on an island. Um, we got sent here a few hundred years ago because we were bad people. Um, but yeah. but um, aside from obviously our previous ancestors who in, who owned the land originally, so being politically correct to them as well. Um, but uh, where was I going with this? The pandemic, the the last couple of cases that came out, the government said two things, and I want to understand if it's possible because it was headline news. One was the person caught it through the air filter system, the air conditioning in the hotel. That's case one. That happened in Perth. Well, that's what they said happened. Case two was someone else caught it when they both opened the door at the same time. Um, You know, not an epidemiologist, not an MD. Yeah. You know, so that's, you know, strong, strong caveats. Um, But you know, neither of those are impossible. Um, they're, they're, they're not likely. Um, uh, but, uh, the, you know, it is, it is possible. It's a virus. It travels through the air. Um, it doesn't travel that far. Uh, yeah, it's not, you know, and it's not, it's not, it's not as durable, uh, as yeah. we had originally feared. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if you, uh, you know, if, if somebody who has it, uh, is close enough to breathe on you and you don't have, uh, uh, neither one of you has a mask, um, that seems like a great way to transmit it actually. Um, uh, but, uh, and through, through the air vents, you know, there are, there are studies that, that show that it was definitely true of SARS one back in, when was that 2003 or so, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the analyses, uh, after the fact, uh, it was found to have traveled, uh, through the vents. Um, you know, it's, it's possible. Um, I'm now going to ask you about my, I have a, um, obsession with air filters, um, various different types. Uh, I buy them. I like them. Um, the most recent one gives me real-time analysis as to what's in the air, which I don't really believe, but um, but it still makes me feel pretty pretty good about that I'm seemingly cleaning the air, even though I live in a country that's got pretty clean air. Um, are these like beneficial? My air um, I don't know the answer to that relative to uh, to SARS-CoV-2, the virus uh, um, uh, that caused COVID. I uh, it's a good question. I've heard different answers, so that's a strong I don't know yeah. from me. Yeah, I'm still going to get them in every room. I'm not. Gonna, I won't. I won't fight you. Uh-huh. <laughs> do you have them? Do you have air filters in New York? Do you have like your own little home as a well, microbiologist? Well, you know now. Now we have vaccines, so I don't. <laughs> you know I don't. Yeah, um, we've got uh, an issue with that. <laughs> here we go no, though, because this I, is back to like this is what you were saying, right? Because you were going, you know, like you're cool. That yogurt and the, the, the happy little oh, yes, like yes. antibodies, they go in your stomach and they fight and you watch it going, yeah, whatever. But it's true, isn't it? Mm. Like it's I mean, antibodies. You need you need to be It's a probiotic. Probiotic, is that yeah, what it is? Yeah. Yeah, probiotic. Uh, yeah, I mean I th- yeah, I mean I think well I think I think in general, like putting putting um putting pandemics aside. Yeah. Um uh, it was actually, it was actually uh, uh, Dr. Jessica Green uh, did work. She did really interesting work back at the University of Oregon years ago. Um, and I'm going to be, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be reductive and an oversimplification. Uh, of, I do that of, all the time. I'm really good at oversimplifying things. Of what, was, of what was actually a very rigorous study. Yeah. Um, but uh, she was studying 
how um, uh, how microbes move through hospitals, um, uh, in, you know, which is an obviously uh, important subject. Um, and what she discovered uh, with rigorous testing, so so typically what hospitals do is broadly what you know the same. It's the it's the idea of the air filter. It's just like just just get rid of everything. It's the same idea as taking an antibiotic. Like if we don't, you, you don't know what's out there, just get rid of all of it. And so they have, you know, they scrub the floors with one thing and then they scrub the floors with another thing and then they clean the windows with the. And the problem with that approach is, is that what you're basically doing is you're placing evolutionary pressure on everything in there to evolve, to become antibiotic resistant. You know, that's basically how we got C. diff, right? The, the, the only way to get you know, really good antibiotic resistant microbes is to just keep wiping them out, um, you know, until until one of them mutates into something that can't be wiped out. And what she studied uh, was that the uh, that the overall microbial health of a of a hospital room um, was improved, you know, n percent by the most by the strongest antiseptic measures possible, and it was improved far more uh, by opening the window. Um, that by just opening the window in a hospital room and bringing in fresh air that, that has everything from the trees and the grass and everything around us and, and bringing that into the microbial mix of the room, which, is, which then is what populates you, um, that had uh, more positive outcomes in aggregate uh, than uh, than just trying to kill everything all the time. You know, it's like the this you know this the 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 antiseptic antibiotic uh, you know air uh, air filter approach. It's this kind of notion. It's just like it's like the the thing that I've heard described as it's as if you like you you use a, a, a nuclear you you've got you've got weeds in your garden, so you drop a nuclear bomb and hope that just the roses grow back. And it's like well, that's not really how it's going to work. Yeah. And I mean, you know, in, in real terms, you know, the, the, um, the architecture of the 20th century was really, um, formed by the last pandemic, um, of, uh, of 2019. Um, it really, the, the last pandemic really shaped, um, a lot of ideas about architecture and, and led to, I don't know what it is in Australia, but in the United States, I, I can't buy house paint that's not antimicrobial, you know, and that is generally a good thing. It's, you know, it means that there's a lot less mold, a lot less fungus, a lot less likelihood that the flu is going to hang out there and so on and so on. You know, it's, it's basically good. Um, all the concrete uh, has a pH level that resists uh, uh, microbial growth and all of that is good, but it's, it's all this notion of like, we just need to make our cities sterile you know, and that, and that will save us. And it's like, well, actually, actually what we've done is we've have made our city sterile and it has made us powerfully vulnerable um, to yeah. the thing that comes in when it comes in. And that's exactly what happened. So we can become um, so, more resistant by fighting. It's sort of like the theory of working out and going to the gym. You're constantly yeah. straining to get stronger. And it's the survival of the fittest with Charles Darwin's theory. And if we wipe out everything that will make us, we're walking into a gym and there's nothing to lift. Right. So, you know, strength comes from diversity. 
right? Not, you know, not from just being strong and stronger, you know, it, from a, from a broad systems biology perspective, you want as many different things in the system as possible. That's what produces the greatest resilience, you know? So, so, you know, in the same way that one of the ways to, to be really healthy is to take probiotics, uh, is to eat yogurt or anything with live cultures in it, because what you're doing is you're bringing in, you know, this diverse colony of the good guys to fight whoever uh, the bad guys are uh, or whoever, I don't want to be judgmental about certain microbes. Whoever is, uh, whoever, whoever has has negative outcomes for for, for human health. But um, it's, it's such a good point uh, because the, the whole thing is about like AI and technology. And you, if you take the answers in, and because we had this really great conversation with Trisha Wong, right? And she was yeah. like, "You've got to understand. You've got to find meaning in the information that you're collecting." And so if you go. Yeah. This particular pathogen can make you sick. Okay, we've got to wipe that pathogen out. This one can make you sick. This wipe it out, 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 wipe them all out. And then you go, well, wait a second. The art student goes, hang on a minute. I don't think wiping all these out is possible and also not good for you. That, right. That's what you're saying, right? Individually, yeah, with all I mean, these pieces, it's not going to help. Meaningful. Right. I mean, I, you know, I think, and there's also, the, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting just in the in the raw computational science of what we're talking about in metagenomics um it 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 has its own um uh biases in a way frequently it has its own biases although the biases are explicitly acknowledged so so the interesting thing let me step back one the fundamental discipline of metagenomics is saying um if if there's genomics where I say like, hey, you know, spit into this jar and then I'm going to take whatever I find in there from a genetic point of view and I'm going to compare that to the human genome, which we have mapped out. And I can tell you, you know, I can start to, to make certain uh, uh, associations of eye color or Neanderthal ancestry or what have you. But if I give you like a, a bowl of soup and say what's in there, you don't know what to compare the genetic material that you find in there too, right? You don't know whether mm. it's meat or vegetable or whether it's got spices or whatever. And so, so metagenomics refers to saying it just refers. So, so metagenomics means sort of finding uh, some sample where you don't know what's in there and you've got to look it up against everything in the tree of life against all organisms on earth which is, um, there's a lot of them, right? There's really, there's really a lot of them. And, you know, there's, there's, the, there's the NCBI database of them. And, you know, in a way, you know, like the, the computational task, which by the way, is even, it's far, it's, it's even worse than what I just described because in the process of extracting the genetic material from that soup, you're also breaking up the, the DNA into what are called camers, into like basically tiny little, jigsaw pieces um and so the you know the one of the ways to think about the metaphors is it would be like um i'll give you i'll give you like um a couple million jigsaw puzzle pieces i don't know how many jigsaw different puzzles they're associated with and i don't know uh which box covers they are um and also only about 80 percent of the pieces are there what can you make from that and this is the question that metagenomic scientists are asking computers every day. It's wow. difficult. It's difficult, right? And so 
because the NCBI database of all life on earth is so enormous, what you have are people who inflect it and, and sort of, and sort of curate that and say like, look, we don't need to know, like, you know, even if it is an animal, we don't need to know if it's an animal. We're only looking for viruses. Um, we're only looking for, uh, you know, uh, you know, a certain subset of, uh, of bacteria that have the following characteristics. And so, and like that, you can make it quasi manageable and just say like, like, yeah. okay, it's still a couple million puzzle pieces, but there's only 16,000 box covers that it could possibly be. Um, but these are still, you know, vast, vast computational tasks. And this is the thing that I think is really, that sort of snuck up on all of us, which is that, you know, it took, it took years and years and years to build the computational power to sequence the human genome. Um, and we did it 20 years ago, but now, you know, with all the acceleration and it's, you know, it's everything to do with Moore's law, but really uh, uh, a lot of, a lot of very clever, a lot of very clever code um, to be able to just take this much data and say, you know, could it be this? Could it be this? Could it be this? Could it be this? Um, and that, that for me is just like, like of all the things that machine learning can do, this is actually one of the most noble and valuable and also one of the most complex, you know, it's, uh, you know, by, by a long shot, it's one of the, it's one of the more complex computational tasks that's going on right now. Um, and, you know, I think it just, uh, you know, this is, it, for me, it has the quality of NASA. Like we are, we are mm -hmm. learning everything about our planet um, and we're doing that basically using machine learning on top of a little teaspoon from here and, you know, an air filter from over here and maybe some poop from this pipe over here. But we are starting to gain um, a kind of map of the dominion uh, that we've never, that, that we, that we just can't even see. Um, and I, you know, that's, that, that's what's interesting to me. That, so, yeah, you're saying the, the most powerful use of AI in our generation right now is this study, is this effort of work of understanding these micro genomes of like, yeah. in yeah. my head, how do I, or for anyone listening, what percentage of the entire, you talked about a database and you had most tech people go, yeah, database about this big. But like, we're talking about galaxy size, infinite, like, you know, there's this number of stars and we're really only looking at this star. Is that what we're like one trillionth of a blah, blah, blah? Like, how? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's something, you, there are, you know, um, uh, actually, hold on. Like, takes like big data. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, so, I have, I, I actually, there's a couple of interesting yeah. numbers in it. So like, so like, yeah, if you, um, I was just looking at these earlier today is why I'm, why I'm looking now. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, right. Okay. So like, yeah, so like 200, so like some of the numbers are like, like, like 200 liters of water have 5,000 viruses in them, right? Like, like just 5,000 discrete viruses, you know, and you've got to look that up against, you know, the entire table of all viruses, most of which, by the way, uh, frequently we've never seen before. Right. So like you've got, you know, Craig Venter, you know, is out basically doing this in the ocean and basically hauling up seawater 
sequencing everything that he finds there and is routinely, just very routinely, finding things that are not in the monster manual yet, right? Like, wow. like, like, like they're not, they, like, we don't, we don't have a name for them. We don't know what they are. Um, they're obviously essential to life on Earth because they're here, um, but we don't know what they are. And, you know, so, so part of it is just this notion that it's like, it's not just that it's vast, it's that it's vast and growing. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and so, so, and so it's a very interesting sort of subset within the work, you know, in, in conventional AI, the, the biases aren't uh, explicitly acknowledged, right? So, you know, so it, it's, you know, like, like we're saying that it's all faces, but really it's, it's really just looking at pretty pale faces because that's what we train the data set on. You know, nobody, nobody thought about it. We just used all the faces that were in the, but here it's very deliberate. It's saying, no, no, it's not all life. It's just the viruses. It's not all life. It's just the 16S subset, whatever. And, and thinking about those subsets in a, uh, in a, it, it, there's a there's a lot of what's happening in this field that is essentially a kind of curatorial work, you know, which is to say, like, like what which parts of the tree of life will be interesting for whom and how can we prune the the the, the tasks for the machines such that uh, how can how can we how can we use that curation to basically prune the 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 magnitude of the of the task ahead? Um, and that's uh, it's uh, it's 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 fascinating work. It's unbelievable. It's, you can now turn up to a conference. You were mumbling about big data before, and you can go to a conference and someone goes, "Oh, it's big data, or whatever." You'd be like, "Yeah, that's not big." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's right. Yeah, yeah. Is it is it bigger than 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 the than the genetic signatures of all life on Earth, which yeah. we don't even have completed yet? Probably not. Who invited yeah, that probably, guy? Probably not. Right. Really it probably is not. Yeah. Let me stand up yeah. and tell you about eating poo. Now, uh, <laughs> but it's absolutely mind-blowing because yeah. you almost start our conversation today by going, yeah, understanding genetic makeup or whatever. But then when you, but what you're saying is when you narrow it down to something yeah. like the water and what's in that yeah. water and then you can just yeah. disappear off into these. Yeah. There is so much for us to learn. Yeah. Why are we not is- putting more effort into it? Um, I think well, we're we're starting to put effort by into we, it now. I mean, I mean, most oh. of society. I don't mean you. I know you're doing it. Why we, Kevin? What have you been doing for the last ten years? I'm disappointed in you. Will you get on with the genetic makeup of everything? Um, uh, I think I think partly because um, it doesn't it it just doesn't fit with our model of life on earth. And, and I mean, which, and by the way, that model needs to change. It needs to change for a lot of reasons, but like, you know, for me, you know, there's like, there's a couple of really big revolutions, right? Like this Copernican revolution where you realize that the, that the earth is not the center. And then you have the Darwinian revolution, which is to say that the, that the human species is not the center, but there's like, there's another one that needs to happen that says that like, actually the individual, is not the center. There's no such thing as an individual species. That species is in interplay with tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of other species, not in an abstract way, like in a real way. You know, it's like it's in, if the interaction is with a pathogen, it causes disease. If it's with yogurt, 
uh, it causes a general sense of euphoria or what have you. Um, uh, but to really reframe the notion of life as the interaction between all these organisms rather than here's us and here's dogs and here's COVID and, and so on and so forth. You know, all of these things are much more, you know, the, you know, the, there's a whole, there's a whole, there's a whole separate microbiome just living on our skin, uh, which is its own other uh, kind of disgusting conversation that we can I've have. had one living on my skin for about 10 years. So we're trying to, there's a, there's a, you can with. get a, there's a spray. I, there's a spray that you can get. It's yeah. probably available. Uh, in, in for the most chemists. But, um, but, <laughs> but I'm thinking about myself as an open ecosystem and I'm hoping like through time, I will evolve to be a super being with this um, thing that I have that's been yeah, with me for a while. They said it was a fungus, but, I, but but I think, but I, you know, but I think, you know, in, a, in, you know, all, all, you know, like kidding aside, like it really, it really, um, it requires a reframing of what, of what life is on earth, like not to get all, mm. you know, you know, hand wavy about it, although I am waving my hands, <laughs> um, it does, it, it, it requires, it requires rethinking, uh, what's, what's important, you know, it's like, yes, it's important to save, uh, you know, the polar bears and this type of fish and this type of scorpion that turns out to be really important Bates. in the ecosystem. Um, but we, we need to start thinking about um, a kind of stewardship also of the invisible kingdom. Um, uh, and, and we are, it's like, we're it's, it's hard to get your head around it yeah. because it doesn't announce itself except when there's bad news yeah um, yeah and you can't and, see uh, it easier to get hit around the last year, 15 months yeah and yeah. why we should yeah. do something about, yeah, about it. it what should we do to learn more because we're never going to we're <laughs> <laughs> i nearly said scratch the surface and discover because we might scratch the surface and then we'll go analyze it and then we'll find all the stuff well, <laughs> um, what well i we... would so, yeah i would recommend a fecal matter transplant um <laughs> I, I don't it's I I, all i'm saying is it worked for me yeah, um, like I, I didn't just know anything about any of this, oh. and then I ate poo, yeah, and then I got my hair uh, back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what else uh, happened as a result see, of that? He, I mean, he really thing. simplifies. Um, oh, simple, simple. Uh, uh, it's a, uh, it's a good question. Um, I, I guess, I guess one one place to start looking, um, uh, just start looking, is something called MetaSub. Um, it's maybe that's a decent intro uh, to what's going on, uh, M-E-T-A-S-U-B. Um, and that is, remember I, I told you about uh, Chris Mason at the Weill Cornell uh, Center for Computational Genomics. Um, he, um, he was sequencing every station in the New York City subway. Um, and he did that, which was fascinating, but that has now grown into a kind of global consortium um, that's sequencing just about everything. Um, subway stations all over the world, but also everything else. And so there are people in Brazil who are contributing to mm. the uh, to to the database, and there are people in Japan who are contributing to it. And um, and just by looking at MetaSub and just seeing the different types of scientists, because that's also part of what's interesting. You know, you have people like uh, uh, Curtis uh, Huttenhauer at uh, at Harvard. Who's you know he's a he's a he's a he's a CS guy he's a, he's a computer scientist but he is crucial in this and then you have people who are just real raw microbiologists and 
you know, there's a like Metasub is one place where the where of the contributions of a very diverse set of contributors is uh, is visible. Um, so that might be a place to start. This is now the question I can give to the parents that ask me at school because we go, oh, we're doing this podcast on AI and technology. And they go, what do I tell my kids to do when they get older? Is AI coming to take all the jobs? I go, I've got an idea. Why don't you become a data scientist and study all of the metadata of the biology yes. and unseen that have never been found because yes, there's infinite amount of work in the future. Done. They, the children should be playing in the dirt right now to get as diverse a skin microbiome as they can. Uh, and then in, you know, 10 or 15 years or so, uh, they should be contributing to, uh, to, the, uh, to our understanding of what's in that dirt. Oh, that would be my advice. I love it. And I love that you mentioned the playing in the dirt thing because we did touch on that ages ago. But um, the importance yep. of not showering as frequently, not using all the soaps as, as often. I've been religiously following that as a result and, and find myself yep. infinitely healthier as a result. Yep. 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 It's, yeah, it's, uh, there's a, there's a correlation in that one between, you know, uh, popularity and health. Uh, but, uh, you know, during the pandemic. <laughs> Man, at home, the only people I can annoy is right. like. I think he's really worried about the popular right. side. Um, but yeah, but it is, but it is, it is real. And, the, you know, there were some very, there were like, you know, there, um, uh, there was something called the Amish study, uh, which was years ago, which was looking at, you know, here uh, in the States, there's a, there's a lot more to the study than what I'm going to uh, say here, which is again uh, reductive. But um, basically, you have nonlinear increases in uh, in food allergies and allergies in general and autoimmune disorders, um, and that's true uh, quite quite in a quite pronounced way for people who live in cities because we've completely sterilized our our, our lives and our environments and ourselves. Um, and you see it. Uh, you see it also, though, uh, even in uh, in people who are in rural environments. Um, and the one place that you don't see it in the United States is in Amish communities, who uh, who are super healthy. And I and I don't know in international context how much everybody knows about the mm -hmm. Amish, but they they basically live uh, in I don't know what specific date, but somewhere you know it's it's basically like 1820. Uh, where they are. Um, they, so they don't use cars. They don't use electricity. Um, everything is horse drawn. Um, uh, they just, they, they live, uh, they live off the land. Uh, they, they live lives uh, as, as people did roughly 200 years ago, I guess. Um, and they are super healthy, uh, at least in these respects, uh, if no others. And, and they're, they're very healthy in general. And what they discovered is, is that um, uh, what the, the thing that distinguishes them from people who are otherwise genetically the same as the Amish communities um, wasn't, uh, wasn't necessarily uh, their diet per se or what have you. Um, uh, it was that the Amish don't practice uh, hygiene in what we would call Western, you know, like, like you know, so-called mm -hmm. Western hygiene. Um, they don't take showers every day. They don't use uh, the same kinds of soap that we do. And uh, as it turns out, uh, you know, they're working uh, in the dirt all day. Um, and it turns out that it's not just, you know, being exposed to, uh, to, a, to a really meaningfully diverse uh, microbiome. It's also making sure that you don't scrub it away all the time. Mm. Um, uh, and you know, it was, you know, it was really, it was, it was interesting to me at the beginning of the pandemic where, you know, everybody was being told like, you know, you gotta, you know, scrub everything. And it's like, 
you know, you know, I, every time we do it, it'll be like, you know, okay, but I don't, I'm not, I'm <laughs> not sure this is the right idea, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, that, you know, that, and that, that fundamentally what we want is the richest and most diverse set of microbes uh, to be on us, inside us, around us, in, you know, in our mouth, in our nose, on our skin, in our gut. Um, and, you know, it's hard to do that in a city. Um, and even if you live on a farm, if you eat processed food and if you are taking a shower every day, et cetera, you're, you know, you're, you're still meaningfully reducing uh, the, the, the diversity that you need to be, to be really healthy and fully human. There's actually, I haven't, I haven't fully read the study, but there was, there was something very recently that was published um, about, uh, they found, I, I try to just bring it back to poop uh, as frequently mm. as possible. They, they found, uh, they found some poop from uh, very early uh, sapiens uh, and uh, sequenced what they found there. And they found that there was a massive uh, microbial extinction event at some point in human history, which we need to, you know, we're still learning about where, but that the, that the, that the, the gut biome of homo sapiens long ago was radically more diverse, uh, than, oh. than our own. And, extinction uh, event. and the, so we, th there was a time where they got hit by a pandemic and got wiped out. Uh, it, I mean, it's it could be it, I, it, it could be yeah it, it's 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 quite unclear. I mean, I think the uh, you know we can't we can't <laughs> we can't hand wave it away like we do with the dinosaurs with a meteor because that doesn't yeah. that just doesn't work on this one. But like something something wiped out uh, the diversity of uh, of of the of the human microbiome, um, and you know and and actually. Uh, where you do find a very diverse microbiome is among indigenous peoples uh, all over the earth. Um, oh. uh, and, uh, and that's, you know, for, you know, predictably. Um, but uh, it, it, again, it explains why uh, there is a very, very low incidence of allergies, food allergies, autoimmune disorders uh, among those populations. Wow. So I'm going to open the window, turn off the air purifier, <laughs> contemplate yep. eating yes. poo. <laughs> yep. 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 Two out of I would do it in that order. You yeah, want yeah. you want the you want the, you want the poop eating to be we'll, last because we'll you, you start off. with that <laughs> and then just shall <laughs> we'll no, the whole rest of the day. <laughs> Once a week, I got that down pat. That's easy. Right. I can do that already. Kevin, it's uh <laughs> absolutely awesome. mind blowing. Really but, informative. Yeah. Pleasure. It's fun. It's fun to talk about this stuff. And thank <laughs> you for the opportunity to to, to really get into it. I gotta ask the last question. I know you hate this, but where you did they come up with that. the idea? Where someone sits around and one of the scientists, it would have had to have been an art student that went, "Why don't we eat the poo, or put the poo <laughs> into the other gut?" And then everyone would go, "What? That is such no, a stupid clear, idea." No one, no one. To be clear, no one has asked that question except you about <laughs> eating, right? Like that, like like you. That is that is actually your contribution. Okay. Um, yes. but, but there were. <laughs> I still don't know how it gets in there. But yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Look, I'll talk to you, you later. Yeah, yeah. Hide it in the chicken. Hide it in the chicken. They'll never know. Um, but uh, um, let it go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I but no, but I think it 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 does it does make sense, right? You know, your if your if your gut biome is fully depleted, how do you repopulate it? Well, there's a lot in poop, uh, and you know, it seems like a good good place to start. Oh, Actually, there's yeah, a whole interesting thing, by the way. That, that oh, it was good I, for you. Why I can't would you get rid of it? 
I can't remember the names of the people who were doing it. And this is probably about five years ago, maybe longer. But uh, they were setting up uh, in the same way that we have blood banks. Uh, they were setting up sort of the first poop bank um, uh, for for this purpose. Where, um, and there's where a was interesting, this? Uh, I'm not. Where, I, yeah. We're gonna I found my next career path. I reckon. <laughs> I want to go set up a poo bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, I, um, different yeah, types. yeah. If you're looking for investment advice, poop poop banks. And you can come and inspect um, the types that you want. This person was eating this. I, well, broadly, while well, you look for the problem that you're trying to solve, um, and and one of the interesting things is is that if you're looking to get blood. Uh, for a blood bank, you can use almost all the blood uh, that you get. It's no good if it has like Hep C or something in it, but <laughs> but in general, you can use most of the blood. But you can only use like I th I think Super at that blood. time the number was like eight percent. Like only eight percent of people donating poop had poop that was healthy enough uh, oh. to be useful. Oh, it's like coffee because right. because we have all uh, we've all basically ruined ourselves. Uh, uh, super poop. Through, yeah. So you have like yeah. a super poop yeah, super, species. It comes super, in from like. Then there's like poop. certain cultures yeah. that have the best poo better than everyone else's. And they They're import that. It's sort of like where you get your coffee beans from. It's like the, the Guatemalan <laughs> beans are the best. <laughs> oh, we're going to get yeah. it from the Amish. They do the best poo. We get that would, in and we'll, we'll would, be good yeah. to go. Yeah, I would definitely, if I was going to, yeah, if I was getting poop, I would get Amish poo. <laughs> Amish no poo. Is there anyone, has anyone patented that no, name? No, no, write that down. I just registered that domain. Amish poo. Right minute. Yeah. All right, I'm going to get it. Oh, good end to the, to this the is podcast. It. I was going to say, this, this one's been crap, but then that would be... <laughs> get where we're going. No, it translates, no, it translates. It's fun. Kevin, it's been a lot of fun. Well, hopefully, we, you Great. enjoyed yourself. You know, I did, I did. Thank just, you. Just talking Thank shit you. the whole time. <laughs> oh, God, never ending. <laughs> it won't end. It's, it's going to go on all day. Yeah, what are you guys, I'm going to yeah. go back yeah. later on. And we've got some guys working on a house and they go, well, how'd the podcast go this morning? Go, oh, it was shit. It was all about shit. We Basically, I just talk shit. Here's all I do. Yeah. Oh, well, well now we've got the... editing there. We've, we've, we've now said the shit word a few times, so I think we're going to have to put an explicit Sorry, warning on our podcast, but that's fine. That's what it is. Kevin, thank you again. Um, absolutely mind-blowing. Best of luck with genetically thank sequencing the entire universe and thank you, um, thank next you. time you discover something let us know all right very good take care thanks, thanks guys bye bye